welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today, by my co-host Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Cat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Well, I would say this Matt has been an enjoyable February backstory of love month. We had some really great love stories. Yes, for sure. It was, you know, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I'm not a sappy Valentine's type, but uh, I did enjoy giving all those. Little tidbits well, about the history of Valentine's Day and that sort of thing. Well, I just enjoyed like your Valentine's trivia, you know, and I getting all three candy answers right. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It started out pretty strong for me there. Yeah. And, and so this story uh, this week, you know, is a little bit different it, because sometimes. You know, you you never know, like, in love or really in anything else, like, what the path is or, you know, what, ops, like, at any time, fate's going to, you know, drop some kind of obstacle in your way. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, certainly I'm assuming she's had her share of ups and downs. Yeah, and so um, we're going to hear all about her love story. I think this is exciting, too, though, because this is our first, I believe, our first guest that their career is primarily on stage. You know, we have a lot of actors that start on the stage and then they, you know, move to the screen and some end up always, you know, coming back to the stage, like periodically. Uh, because I think when it comes down to it, I think all true actors really like there's nothing like live theater, you, you know, even if you like make gazillion dollars on film and that kind of thing, like there's something special about the stage and live theater. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. I'm trying to re- think if there's been anyone else. I mean, we've talked to a lot of musicians who they spend their life on a stage, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I can't think of any of any other actors. Most of them have been, have been like you were saying, they start out on a stage and they go into movies and you know whatever. But yeah, I think she is the first one. Well, and so to be, you know, multi-talented, which you have to be for the stage and, and you know, like in, in acting for film too, it doesn't hurt if you, you know, like if you're a stunt person, you know, if you're able to do like certain things, you open yourself up to more opportunities or, or you could potentially, but, you know, so she in order to be on Broadway and the musicals, she'll need to be able to sing well, act well, dance, you know, like there's a lot that goes into being successful on Broadway. Oh yeah. I can imagine. Do you, do you like musicals? 
I mean, I guess some of them are pretty good. Others are just beyond me. You know, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of them. So I can't say, I can't say that I love them. But yeah, some of them are pretty good. Well, there, you know, there's a Prince one that's coming out. So I'm really curious how that's going to be. I would love to see that. Is that like going to be, I mean, is that like a Broadway show or? Yes, it's going to be. Really? What's it about? Do you know? I'm guessing it's going to have a lot of purple in it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, is it like about like, you know, is it about his life or like, uh, you know? Yeah, I guess it would be, you know, with his songs and all of that implemented into it. So I don't know when it's premiering, you know, or opening, but I, I really am very curious about that. So I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe the opportunity to see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it'll come around or maybe it'll get to Broadway. You've been before, right? I have, yes. I, I took a, like, <laughs> many students, like, I don't know, there's probably like 70 altogether. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we all, we all went there and saw Phantom of the Opera. And then also I took another group, it was my birthday actually, to a touring Broadway to see Hairspray. Hmm. And that was really great. You know, kids really love that. I did too. You know, like it, it, it was kind of surreal when I was having my surgery the year ago and really, you know, thinking about, you know, the Hairspray is, you know, Good Morning Baltimore. And, you know, I was in Baltimore and all uh, of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never, you know, it has a lot different feel to it in Hairspray than it does when you're like there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, especially there for surgery. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think like I, I wanted to write a musical. Like that's still something I have on my bucket list. And if you ever like get your guitar in, and you get, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to write a musical someday, I feel like. Yeah. What would your musical be about? Well, you know, I, I do have some ideas already, like of straight plays that uh, I also have a few songs already written. So, hmm. you know, yeah, it's going to be, I, th- I I think it will be, you know, a love story, of course. Shocking. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just feel like once you get your guitar, it'll be like the universe saying, time to write that musical so maybe yeah begins this year who knows yeah i would not put a lot of stock in that one i just don't think i could write songs Uh, but you never know until you try right yeah that's true i just don't think i could write write any songs that would be i mean musical worthy i guess i don't know but you have you have experimented with like lyrics, right? So yeah, I have. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe I just can't like melodies don't really come to me. Well, so. you know, I I just feel like like you had never written a play either when I first met you. Yeah, that's right. true. There you go. See, 
So I just feel like listeners that I will be able to have that effect and (laughs) we'll just like write a musical from, from us someday. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're still working on unstoppable. So, uh, you know, (laughs) don't hold your breath. (laughs) Now you have said on the podcast a couple of times that I've said it three, what we're almost at the end of year four. I've said it every year. So, I mean, well, this could be the year that you mean it. Yeah. I mean, I have, I think I have two other, we, well, we have two other projects ahead of it. So, that we're really close to finishing. Uh, but I mean, Unstoppable, yeah, that's something that I'd really like to get done. Well, you know, what is possible? And, and I have also on my this year list. So, you know, I have like, I have a long list things like this year uh, there's a lot of things i want to accomplish and so i got like a bucket list you know which is your like long-term projects and then you know i've got my list for this year and one of the things like you know with tri-county mystery meets we are exploring like we do comedy you know definitely dinner theater comedy mystery whodunit type things right But in July, we're going to actually do our first full-length drama. And you know how I love dramas. So I'm so, like, you know, excited about this. But, you know, Unstoppable, the play, uh, which correlates closely with the book, I really want to get that staged, too. Well, that would be cool. I mean... uh... That would be amazing. So... You know, I'm thinking it could be a good time to have the book finished and just like premiere both at once. But yeah, yeah. well, it have to be later in the year, so because I got yeah, around my birthday month would be, <laughs> you know, a great time for that. Yeah, so. November, huh? Hmm. Yeah, I better start on it now. Then you better get with it because you know yeah. the birthday train is a coming. Yeah, that's true. I mean. Uh... For you, it stops for you first, Sarah. Well, yeah, that's true. It does. But at any rate, you know, I mean, we're probably not going to write a Broadway successful musical. But, you know, who knows? I I do have aspirations to write one. So I admire and I'm looking forward to talking with Tamara just to you know, see what inspires her and like what age she started working towards this. Was this always her goal? You know, just all those questions. Right. You know, she's crossed over into music, you know, putting out her own music. Right. I remember seeing the poll that you put up about her first guitar. Yes. That's so amazing that she still has that guitar. Yeah. was kind enough to send us a photo of it and uh, we were able to post that in the group and see if anyone could identify it and we had a lot of guesses yeah everybody thought it was a martin yes yes did you think so as well or did i i wasn't really sure i thought maybe it was like a yamaha or something Mm-hmm. well we will learn out it and we will learn in this interview exactly, you know, what it is, because I'm going to ask. But uh, she was very kind to send us the photo. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Well, I mean, you know, if anybody wants to tour Martin Guitars, their factory is about 20 minutes from me. Well, would you be the tour guide if uh, somebody No, they have a, you know, they have a tour that you do. You walk through and get to see how they make them, and it's pretty cool, actually. So you've been on the tour. Yeah, I did it years ago. But it's pretty interesting, and... Of course, it ends in the gift shop where, you know, if you, any, if you know anything about Martin guitars, they're not cheap. So <laughs> it's pretty oh, pretty interesting to, you know, go to the gift shop and they have guitars that are, you know, two, four, eight thousand, you know, that sort of thing or more. Um, well, I think it's interesting, like, you know, that most of the people we interview, they have their favorite, um, you know, guitar. Like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly it's just something that you, you know, a certain type or even a certain model or maybe even the first one that you ever owned. Well, it's fascinating, you know, talent and how it evolves and just the fact that we have been able to tell so many amazing backstories is, you know, I just love it. Every week I look forward to hearing, you know, how did that guest get to where they are today? Yes. And who might be coming up next? Hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so happy about who. <laughs> Coming up next. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'll have to wait till Monday to find out, but uh, it's going to be interesting. That was a clue. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk to Tamara and see, you know, find out about her backstory. Yes. Tamara, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. I am so excited to talk to you today and hear all about your backstory. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, I mean, when you have a mantra that is peace, love, and hilarity, you know, that is a person that you want to interview. Mm. Uh, so let's start with that. Like, you know, what? why did you choose that? Like, what do each of those words mean to you so much that you would include them? Well, I... I had to think long and hard about what is my mantra, because I do like to work towards peace in my own life, in the world, love, just, you know, of course. And then I didn't want to follow with just joy, which I think joy, you know, encompasses a lot. It's more hilarious. It seems like my coping skill and my my spirit animal is probably a monkey. (laughs) I've (laughs) I've always, you know... If you saw me backstage at any of my shows, I'm always up to some antics, you know, swinging from the rafters or knee sliding into the wall. So I <laughs> I, I had to include hilarity because it's like I love to make people laugh. I, I think my if I weren't an actress, I'd want to be a clown full time, you know. So I had to use hilarity <laughs> instead of just joy. <laughs> Well, you know, I I am glad that you used that word because I own a uh, touring dinner theater and we do comedies. And so there's something about laughter, you know, that makes it's just really a, a good thing. People want to laugh, don't you think? 
Oh yeah, it's in, it's imperative, and and I do find that's what I you know I often say that my backstage show is much more fun than my onstage show, depending what I'm doing. I like yeah. to get my dressers laughing. I like to get people backstage laughing, and and in my life, just anytime, anytime I can get someone to laugh, it's like I'm I'm just hiding and and waiting for that moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is something funny? Like, share a story with us that you know that you made somebody laugh, maybe unexpectedly, or you know, it's a funny story that you have. Well, I, I okay, I'll go with some of the stuff I used to do when I was in Les Mis. I would, well, there's so many. I I would make my dressers laugh by just I try. It's almost like I would be developing my material. <laughs> I don't know, just. Instead of just putting my feet into a gown one foot at a time, I'd hop into it both at the same time and, you know, do a forward roll or something. (laughs) Just slapstick comedy. When I was in college and I was able to wear my high heeled shoes and it was snowy out and really icy, I got really good at like acting like I was really slipping on the ice when... (laughs) When people were far enough where they couldn't help me and I'd be like, slide, 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 slide. And they'd be <laughs> almost to me. I'd go, no, I'm fine. And they'd keep walking. So stupid stuff like that, you know, or helping someone off with their coat and ending it with it on me backwards, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, it's fun to do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever like make TikTok videos or things like that? <laughs> no, but I should. I, you should. Yeah, I I should see that's the thing I, I'm thinking oh gosh if TikTok had been around 20 years ago I probably would have started it and I keep thinking I should go to TikTok and I just haven't yet you've but got to now you've got to like, demonstrate one of these the or something gauntlet, yeah the gauntlet has been thrown but like <laughs> one of the things I want to do on TikTok is like do dancing to the oldies and and I'm not talking old music I'm talking really old music like classical like Carmina Burana or something like that, hmm. which I think would be ridiculous, but fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll be looking for the launch of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and, you know, it's funny that you said, like, the really old music, because Matt and I have had this discussion before. Uh, he was listening to the radio, which told him, like, the oldies music was, like, the music we grew up listening to you know I like know. 80s music is now you like, go ouch yeah really <laughs> that's not old <laughs> I, know. I don't know what's wrong with radio but <laughs> I, I was so, in, i was in the grocery store over the weekend this past weekend and i heard twisted sister playing on the on the you know the pa system i was like what I mean, usually it's like some classical version of some popular standard kind of thing, but no, Twisted Sister. <laughs> I was like, huh. I, you got to wonder who's in charge of the music that day, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You re- never know. I didn't realize it was something that, you know, that would be played over the PA system in a grocery store. Usually it's like music or whatever. <laughs> So, I know, right? That is right. interesting. Don't tell me that's become Muzak. No, I know. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't. <laughs> Next time it'll be Motley Crue. <laughs> yeah, it's like those oldies. Right, yeah, that's, yeah, that feels funny. 
Oh my goodness. Well, so in your backstory, let's go back to the oldies of you. Um, oh dear. You come from a long line of talented women. And, you know, I, I find that to be fascinating, but also great that you, you know, that you have that line of women to inherit all these, you know, like genealogy skills or whatever from. Yeah. So tell things me that are in your DNA. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that is my dad always said that I came by it naturally. And I was thinking about that the other day, how my first instrument was accordion that an accordion salesman showed up at the door. I thought he just showed up. I was four years old. When does that happen? You know, but I guess they, but they had made an arrangement for this guy to stop by with his accordions. Cause my parents were interested for some crazy reason to take up accordion and they put a little one on me and I started playing something and they were amazed. They were like, she comes by this naturally. I'm thinking accordion is not natural. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but there wasn't, you know, my grandmother would play for us and I loved it. She'd sit us down and she'd play piano with her left hand and marimba with her right hand sometimes. She'd play marimba with eight mallets, which is unusual. She was wow. very talented. She'd play ukulele. And then her mother, Bertie Chestnut, was a, a one woman band as well. So She'd play, have a kick drum, a banjo, or a guitar, and 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 hmm. of course, I can't think what it is. <laughs> one of those. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, one of those things, a mouth harp. Yeah. Anyway, I just think the harmonica. There we go. <laughs> so I never got to hear her play, but you know, I feel it. Like I, I've picked up instruments and not known why I can play it pretty easily right off the bat, and. And I jam with people. It's like my greatest joy is to just get with a bunch of people and they'll be like, we're going to do this in A minor. I'm like, yep, don't tell me the key. I just hear, I'll hear it. And I, my fingers will know what to do. It's so strange. Hmm. I can't even explain it. <laughs> and, and it's helped to go to music school to, you know, learn more and have more of a head knowledge. But I got to say, what just comes natural to me is works best for me. Anyway. That's a long answer, but <laughs> oh, well, it's a great answer because I was going to ask about that. In fact, I mean, I never, I never knew that you know there were accordion salesmen or whatever like coming to your door. <laughs> I know it's, it was strange. Well, and I I grew up learning accordion, which actually helped me. The left hand is the circle of fifths, so learning the accordion and and my second my well my. My second teacher, it turned out she was second place in the world in 1969. She was, there was a Russian who won first and a Russian who won third. And a, this, this tiny woman from Kansas, I think it was Kansas, won second place in the world. And she was amazing to me. She, she was a good teacher for me and made mm -hmm. me work hard as a little kid. <laughs> and. So that was kind of an interesting, like just something. And she became best friends with my mom. So we were just surrounded by music that way. Besides the fact that my grandmother would always get, you know, sit down, sit us down and play for us and sing for us and make up songs. So it was very rich with the music background. So I feel very fortunate. So back to the accordion with the circle of fins, 
when I went to college and people were having trouble with theory, I was like, oh, this isn't hard. I just used my left hand from the accordion. <laughs> and it really helped me know what I was doing, you know. Yeah. So you really, as far as learning music, had the the best of both by, you know, having that natural ear for music and talent and then you know the like the on paper part of it of like how right yeah you know you're just pretty amazing I mean well that's sweet well you know it's funny because then I like when I was 10 I begged my mom for an accordion and I'm I'm sorry for a, a guitar and they came through they got me a guitar from the janitor at the elementary school where she was teaching and that was like when she took me in there to get the guitar it was like opening the holy grail I was like oh my god (laughs) are you kidding this because I'm one of five kids and we have very few things that we got that was our own but that guitar was my own you know so and then a little bit later I I begged for a violin and, and they came through with that as well and so I was just lucky that my parents saw that there was something there and I'd play by ear so much that it wasn't until I was in high school. And one day I just, I was playing in the orchestra and I was looking at the music going, what the heck? What am I, what is that? <laughs> I had been playing by ear so much that I, I, I woke up to the fact that I didn't know what I was playing anymore. <laughs> right. And then I, and then I really learned how to read music after that, but it just cracks me up that it's one day it just dawned on me. Well, the guitar. Like, I know, I I mean, I can imagine what that was like when you got to see it and know that was going to be yours. But uh, do you, what do you remember? What kind of guitar was it? Because, you know, what was the, I don't remember the brand because that wasn't important to me at the time. But <laughs> I did go to every person. Like, <laughs> I was like, Akai? I don't know. <laughs> it was just a... Fender. I'm not. I'm actually not sure, and I. I still have it. I need to go open the case. Say, what is that? Isn't that funny? I don't remember those details. I remember broad strokes, but I would ask every single person. I was like, "Do you play the guitar? Do you know a chord?" <laughs> and I would ask everyone if they could teach me a chord. And then I learned a song, uh, a Girl Scout song, like "Flick Around the Campfire, the Wind in the Pine," and it would go through, you know. C G D A, you know, the four <laughs> chords and oh <laughs> it was very cute. But like I learned yeah, it was I mean, and that's the thing, is if you can learn three or four chords on a guitar, you have a wealth of music that yeah. you can learn. <laughs> True. So what you were singing already, like have you just been singing, you know, your like since you remember talking you've been pretty singing. much. Yeah, my mom, my mom used to say I would go out on the swing set and I'd be singing at the top of my lungs. And, you know, I, it just was there. I actually got in trouble in, in kindergarten because they said I kept singing. And I was like, yeah, but that's in my head. I didn't know anyone could hear me. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't understand why I was getting in trouble. I was like, what am I doing? Get out of my head. <laughs> like, oh, so it's it's pretty funny, you know. Oh, it's pretty mean to get in trouble for that. <laughs> I know. The so then you started writing songs at 10, I think it said. That's pretty young. 
have you always yeah. had the words in your head, you know, along with, <laughs> did you get in trouble well, for those? <laughs> yes. No, no. I, you know, what's funny is I, I actually, the first little thing I wrote was probably a little bit younger. It was about pancakes because I love pancakes, but, <laughs> but it, you know, it, it didn't come easy to me to write lyrics to tell you the truth. And, and, and I struggled with it just assuming that I wasn't a writer. And so it wasn't till like 2005, I think I read The Artist's Way and I started, you know, writing in a journal and doing some things like that. And I wrote some songs and I, I did my first album. And it's funny because the first album I did was supposed to be like a cabaret because I came from the Broadway world and all that. But I started writing these songs that were actually very close to my heart. And I thought, no, I actually need to record this music. So that's what I did. I ended up recording those songs and and even then i thought i'm not really much of a writer i you know i i'm just doing this because i want to and then during the pandemic i decided since i i had been on tour and it was sort of like i better do something or i'm gonna go crazy <laughs> I, I think we all did so i i took some online courses in songwriting and i learned how to collaborate with other writers and I started writing with people all around the world, like really different backgrounds. And it really opened the world to me. I, I really started seeing that, you know, yes, I write a good melody, but if someone else has a good melody, I suddenly have lyrics. You know, it, it's like, and one of the mentors said that she really thought I was an all-rounder. Well, she's UK from the UK. So she, you're really an all-rounder, Tamara. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> And if she hears me do that, that's a bad impression of her, actually. <laughs> like, really bad. Sorry. Sorry about that. But, you know, so I learned how to do production, which I've always wanted to. I never thought I could because that's a man's job. You know how you do that to yourself? You decide that someone else can do that. Right. I just started realizing, you know, if you give it time, if you give yourself the time to learn and and develop the skill. It's like, wow, I I have written a hundred songs over the pandemic, <laughs> hmm. and and released some songs that I did the production on, or at least co-produced as well too. So it's it's been fun, you know. And part of that is just staying curious and staying. I, I mean, I've gotten off your question already. Again, I tend to do that, <laughs> but <laughs> I'll circle back. What do you want to know now? Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm curious with the songwriting, you know, co-writing with others. Songwriters that we've interviewed before talked about it's kind of like a, a first date, and you can almost tell pretty soon into it if there's going to be a second date or not. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. That? Yeah. Sometimes you can tell right away, and I think it's good to try out. You know, I've, I've written with a bunch of different people, and. And there are a handful that I've written four or five, six songs. And so you can tell, yeah, it's like, okay, we've gotten into a nice flow and we can do this. And I just started writing with a really good composer I've known for 30 years. I've probably known him 30 years. And I really wanted to write with him. And he finally said, you know, I have some time. Let's try this. And he does more classical music. And and he is what they'd call writing up. Like he challenges me because he he's so good with music and so good with words that it really makes me work harder, but boy, we, we wrote a song pretty quickly. We 
Some Things Heal. He actually wrote most of the lyrics on it, but it was, it was, it was great writing with someone like him because it was so fast and I had to think on my feet and we're now almost done with the second one, pretty much done with it and already started on a third one. So yeah, it's pretty interesting to write with others and be able to bounce things off of them and, and listen to their stories and try to, it, it, it made me think it's very much like being in the theater and working with other people on a show where you're working collaboratively you know, with your lines and bouncing things off of each other. It's also just thinking of storyline. When you're writing a song, you, you're creating a world, you're creating an experience and a story all at once. And, um, well, I'm curious <laughs> because I, I am always curious as to how people respond to criticism. So when you're co-writing, if maybe one of your ideas, you know, like if someone <laughs> offers some feedback that you you might feel is critical, you know, coming from the theater, I'm sure you've had that experience. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, how important is that in the way that you view it? As well, to- I, yeah, I think the thing is you have to develop a safe room with your collaborators. And you'll find out, like I've only worked with a few people where it felt like, really shut you down and just said no to an idea instead of thinking I always think of it like comedy it's yes and so and I've and some of my favorite directors have been that way too you say I'd like to try this and they say okay show me and you show them what you want to do and they say oh yes and why don't you take it this far you know so they you're building on something and being you know forthright like it, it I think the whole like I've written with even two, one or two people at a time in the same room. And it's, it's almost easier one-to-one for me when it's just me and another person. But it's like, in any case, being able to say, oh, that, that's not really working. Does that work for you? Or, and saying yes to their ideas. Never say no to an idea because you never know what's going to bloom. <laughs> you know? So I say, type everything out. Try it out. Let's try it. And I think... A lot of times both sides know. It's like, yeah, that doesn't really work, does it? It's not flowing right. But I always try to give everything its chance because like in acting, I've gotten notes from directors where I'm like, there is no way that's going to work. There's no way. And then I try it and I go, wow, that was really freeing. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know? And, and And that's the same with songwriting. And I think that's where you find out if someone is a good collaborator for you is do they open you up do they open up your humanity do they help you see do they make you better and if they're shutting you down and you recognize that you're being shut down you know sometimes i go is that just me is that me being emotional and it's like no this doesn't feel right then it's like well thank you very much it was nice to work with you and then you move on you know it's just <laughs> moves my uh, <laughs> but i think if yeah it happens you yeah. know and and someone could be your best friend and you still go, wow, we just can't write together. And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just have to hold it that way that it's not all important. And then there might be people, I've written with a few pe- people where I thought, well, maybe, you know, I'm not sure we, we get along. And then, you know, the words just flow, the music flows, you go, wow, this is interesting. It's just interesting what you can find. You know, working with people and just being open to it. So, yeah. 
Um, Matt, do you have a question? So you were in Les Mis. How did, how did, uh, so I guess we should back up a little bit and tell us where, <laughs> when you got into acting. I mean, how, how did all that come about? Well, that goes way back. Well, my sister Jeannie had been doing plays at school and I was really curious about it. So that, that kind of got me curious to, to do an audition. And so it was, I think junior high school was the first little thing I did. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then, but in high school, there was a really good program. We had a really good choir director. So the music was good and a really good theater director. Mm-hmm. And so watching my friends and my, I think my brother was in a show and then my sister was, I was like, I want to do that. So that's how I got into it. And it, was, it cracks me up because I really had no background at all in it. And I think the first show was Oliver and my sister got Nancy mm-hmm. and I got lead dancer. <laughs> <laughs> and if you would have watched me do the dance, I was like selling it from the waist up and not knowing what the heck I was doing from the waist down. I was just selling it. I was like, that's interesting. Lead dancer okay good <laughs> jazz hand okay <laughs> That's so that was my big entrance into the theater and and then i did several shows in high school and then i got to college and i actually missed the audition for the first show i can't remember oh it was Pippin. And for some reason, I couldn't get to the dance call. And she said, well, if you can learn the dance, so I had to find some other, some other students that knew it. And so they taught it to me. And I had to go out and do it by myself. Again, dancing. With, <laughs> I'm not a dancer. But I did it, you know. And I thought, you know, I, I, I got to hand it to myself. I wanted it so much that I just would do anything to get there. You know, I'd practice on my own. And, and then the next year, they did Guys and Dolls. And I wanted to do Adelaide. And I'm really not really right for Adelaide and but I rehearsed it and rehearsed it and when I got out there and auditioned they laughed at what I did and I thought oh my gosh <laughs> and I got I got cast and the upperclassmen were a little bit pissed off at me I'm sorry but I was like sorry <laughs> just yeah. no so from there you went to Broadway and and right straight from there no <laughs> well no, but when I got out of college, I, I I had done a few. Well, there was a new uh, dinner theater that had opened up while I was in college mm-hmm. called The Wayside Inn. And so I did a couple of shows there. And it was the first time I did a professional. I'm doing quotes, quotes with my fingers. A professional right. theater. We got paid for it. And we did, I think, four shows a week and got a square meal beforehand because it was dinner theater. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was a. That saved me from eating top ramen every every meal. <laughs> but I got to do Guinevere and Camelot and Maria and West Side Story in this little theater for a three-month run each. And so that was a real nice proving ground for me to see if I could do that. That was really nice. I'm really thankful for that. And then I moved back. To, so th- I'm in Colorado. I, I moved back to home with my mom and dad for a little while, and I went. I saw that they had auditions for the, a couple of the theaters there and they were doing Man of La Mancha. So I went to the call and I'm right for Antonia. So I auditioned for that. And when I got the call back, they said, you've been called back for Aldonza. And I was like, mom, 
I did an audition for Aldonza. You got it wrong. I'm thinking, my mom doesn't know the show. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up getting, and that one was a funny audition because it was an open call. I mean, the first, I don't know, 300 people showed up. It was like, Uh. it was so full, this theater, and everyone was in there for the audition, just standing in line. And they said, well, just do eight bars. And so I was like, well, I want to do the best part of eight bars. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I got in there and I was like, <laughs> I started on the height. <laughs> Every neck in the place cracked, <laughs> like snapped over. Like, what is she doing? <laughs> I, I did that a few times, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I did those couples of shows. I did, you know, about, and then I worked at the Denver Center for three seasons, and then I—that's when Les Mis and Phantom of the Opera were coming to Broadway, and. I sent a tape back in those days. They, we did tapes. I went to a recording studio and I made a demo tape and I sent it to Johnson and Liff who were casting the show on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And six months later, after I got married and moved twice, <laughs> they found me. They called and said, can you be in L.A. next week? And I just happened to be going to L.A. that next week. I was like, are you kidding me? Yes, I'm going to be there anyway which was so strange because it wasn't something. So, you know, it's one of those things where you go, I think this was meant to me (laughs) because it was so strange. Yeah, it was neat. And so, you know, I did like, you know, I I did Broadway. They did hire me for the tour. I understudied Cosette for about three months. And then Melissa Errico was the Cosette at that time. And I guess she sprained her ankle helping someone move. And so, I get to the theater after like goofing. I was on the road and we were in Baltimore and I'd been shopping all morning. It was a matinee and they're like, Tamara, you're on. I'm like, oh, how am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went on as Cosette that day. I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Um, and then the guy who keeps the show clean was there, Richard J. Alexander. And he said, we, we need a Cosette in bus and truck. Can, you know, we'd like to move you over there. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't want to leave this beautiful company I was in. But, you know, it was the chance to move into the role. So I then moved to the bus and truck mm-hmm. and performed with them for a while. And like I said, I was a newlywed. My husband was traveling with me. And I mean, and then tragedy hit because we were, we were out there about six, I don't know, nine months, whatever it was. And he he started getting sick. He suddenly had a brain tumor. And so that was terrible. And, and Richard was really great about it. He, he said, you know, listen, you don't have to go on with this. Cause I, I, at that point we had come through my hometown mm-hmm. and, and you know how you always want to return home and show people what you're doing. And it was like so sad that Ben was in the hospital with this you know, getting surgery. And I just, I couldn't sing. I couldn't do the show half the time that I was there. So they let me leave the show at that point and the show moved on without me. And, and then I cared for Ben for the next nine months and then he actually passed away. Sorry. I'm li- like giving you the whole thing. No, no <laughs> that's this, why. No, this is this, this is the whole real truth, you know? Yeah. He, he passed away and then I had some, oh, about five months where I just, I was just kind of floundering and they called me back. They were like, we're in Chicago and we need Cosette cover. Are, can you come out? And I thought, you know what? 
I mean, it's going to make me cry, but that was like, it was the perfect thing to happen in my life is that, you know, I, all my money, all our money gone to his bills and yeah. I needed a job. Yeah. And I thought that's the perfect job to get where you're in brown rags half the time, <laughs> you know, like, oh good, this is perfect. <laughs> so it got me back into singing again. And, and then at the end of that summer, the Cosette, who was the main Cosette, took a vacation. So the stage manager said, you know, you're going to need to go on next week. And I said, okay. And so I got my mom. I flew my mom out there to see me in Chicago. And we had a great week together. And But her flight was earlier something, or it was late coming in. And I, I was trying to get her to the apartment. And she doesn't know Chicago. So I had to bring her to the theater. And if you know anything, you do know a thing or two about theater. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to bring, bring people backstage after half hour. So I went to the stage manager and it was a huge backstage. I went to her. I said, can, do you mind if my mom just stays back in the corner over there and knits <laughs> during the show? <laughs> and I think she just thought that was cute. So the next, she said, okay, sure. That's fine. So I come to the stage for the start of the show and there's my mom sitting right next to the stage manager listening on. She let her sit right there off stage, right with her uh, and watch the show from the side. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> that's awesome. So anyway, so that was my four way foray back to the stage after that tragedy. And then, and then that, that closed in Chicago. I went home for a few months and then they said, can you come back on the road? We need, a Cosette in the bus and truck again. So, you know, and then I was there for a couple of years and then I left the road and I moved to New York City finally. So at that point I'd saved some money and I, I think that's the best way to go. Save your money first yeah. and then move to New York City. Definitely need it for New York. <laughs> yeah. And after about, I don't know, I can't remember. It was about five months. They were looking for a Cosette again, and I they called me again. And and at this point, they're like, I feel a little embarrassed, but we haven't seen you in a little, in a little while. So, you know, they're expecting I've gained 50 pounds right. in five months yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so I there's can you come to the backstage and, you know, meet us? So I came backstage and Richard J. Wa walked in again and he's and he saw me and I, I, I thought, I'm going to wear the cutest little outfit. <laughs> I'm just going to look real cute. And uh, <laughs> I call it my little bee outfit, you know. So he saw me. He goes, oh, you're hired. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, he goes, oh, by the way, how's your singing? I said, better than ever. And he goes, good. <laughs> I mean, so that's how I landed Broadway is hmm. they took my word for it. But so, he loved me. He, he loved me on the show, I guess. Otherwise, they wouldn't have called me. Yeah. I mean, was you, so was it like, I mean, how nerve wracking was it to be on Broadway? I mean, was that like one, one thing that you always wanted to do or? Oh, well, it's what I totally wanted to do, you know, so I'm telling the story in two or three minutes or 10 minutes, whatever. Right. But, you know, this is years of, you know, while I was working in Denver, you know, people are like, visualize what you want and put it on your you know, your wall. So it's like I had a picture of New York City and I I had layman's. I really wanted to do this. So I'd really put it out there. And I was like, yes, and I'm going to have limos picking me up with, you know, <laughs> if you know anything about New York, you don't really get limos unless you're a huge star. But 
wouldn't you know it that someone had a friend who was a limo driver and he would <laughs> give us a ride home. <laughs> it was like, well, I'll take it however it comes. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I had been dreaming of it forever, but I'd say I was more nervous when I, my first night when I was covering, when I was in the show, you know, it was so, such a great company, really talented people. And so I, it was nerve wracking because I hadn't really gotten out of Colorado to do much. I'd only done yeah. a couple of shows in Texas, you know, so this was a big deal. But then touring, I, I toured for two and a half years with the show. So by the time it got to Broadway, it was like, yeah, I, I know the show. It was a bigger, it was a bigger turntable, which was interesting. Yeah. So small, smaller theater, but bigger turntable. So you just had to get used to going a little faster <laughs> in certain cases. <laughs> the world is. <laughs> but I literally was on Broadway for two weeks when I woke up to it going, Oh, this was my dream. I'm sitting in my dream. I now I have to think of the next dream. What what do I want next? You know? Yeah. It's so funny. What did you decide on? Well, I really wanted to still do Phantom. And it, and when I did leave Les Mis, I did get to audition for fan actually auditioned for Phantom six times. And that last time I auditioned, I was like, boy, if I don't get it this time, you know, yeah. this is silly. Because it was over several years. But I I thought I really need to think about what am I what am I doing wrong or what can I do more right, you know, type thing. Yeah. And I really listened to the women who had been doing the role and thought, okay, it's not like I need to mimic them, but there's a certain vocal quality I think they're listening for. So I thought I sing I sing that way when I sing I could have danced all night. I'm gonna take that song in. That's what I'm gonna sing. And I sang it and they were like, yeah, they were like, oh, yeah. And then as they, I think they had me sing a few other things. And then as I was leaving the room, they said, oh, and by the way, how's your dance? <laughs> <laughs> Again, dancing. <laughs> and I said, well, I got to tell you, <laughs> I was the lead dancer. <laughs> I was the lead dancer in junior high school. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I I said, well, I'm a mover and a shaker, <laughs> but you know, what's funny. Cause then I, so I was still on, I was still doing Cosette during the, in the evenings while I was rehearsing for Cosette, uh, Christine during the days on, on the, on their stage. And the choreographer was like, well, actually you're saying you're not a dancer, but she said, you're actually doing better than, <laughs> I shouldn't say this out loud. Sorry, other Christines, but <laughs> She said I was actually holding my own pretty well. So I thought, well, that's nice to know. Because <laughs> hmm. I I never felt like I was a good dancer. But I could sell it. Like I told you, I could sell it. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I would say I was bou au point. You know, I, that's not very nice. But that's what I would say. I was always felt like. Because, you know, they have really gorgeous dancers in that show. Beautiful ballerinas that, who really know what they're doing. And then you get. <laughs> <laughs> Me out there in a tutu. Well, anyway, <laughs> it was fun. It was great fun. You know, my favorite part, though, I have to say, I'm so glad I got to do Christine because I got to ride in the boat. <laughs> oh, wow. Isn't that yeah. terrible that that's my favorite part of the show? <laughs> and dodging the and dodging the chandelier when it came down. They're like, you're cutting it a little close. You need to get out of there sooner. <laughs> 
Hmm. No, I love this part. Anyways. (laughs) All right, Kat, what do you got next? Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like a lot of your life in some ways is like, I don't know, pre-planned or the thread of something that runs through it. Like, so I read the premonition, like when you heard play me. Yeah. That you knew then you were just gonna you just knew that you were gonna be traveling and performing right and I was like 10 and I I didn't know anything like that that's not something I would have been even to able to like put together that I just know I'm gonna it just it just I could see it that I would be traveling and singing I didn't even know what it meant you know because I was so young but I was I would I would lay on the floor and put my feet up on the couch and just play that song over and over. Like that is such a huge memory for me. I thought, my God, that actually came true. And I don't know if I dreamed it or if it was like, just a, like, this is going to be your life. Get ready. (laughs) (laughs) You know, at first when I was reading that, I was like, okay, she's just an obedient type because, you know, play me as the title. And you're just like, you know, playing, you know, doing what it says to do, play me. But then, you know, I, I think reading about Ben and then mm-hmm. you got married after three months, I think. Yeah. So I mean, I knew on like, the fifth. I I knew like on the fifth date, but I, I I waited to make sure it was right. But yeah, if we hadn't gotten married so quickly, I wouldn't have been able to help him through that last part of his life. You know what I mean? If we hadn't, if we had waited a year, I, we probably wouldn't have been able to get married. Mm. So I feel like there was some sort of divinity in that somehow. And I'm not, you know, it's, yeah, so it's I, interesting. It seems like that's just a, a thread as I was looking over, you know, different aspects of your life. I'm thinking like, wow, you know, there's just something like that guides her and as to, you know, what to yeah. do, I guess. And so, you know, here you are. <laughs> Yes, here I and music now is a big focus again. Yeah. And the pandemic is is that something good that came from that time, you know, when everyone was because you were touring, I guess, with Anastasia and then Yeah. Yeah. Everything just shut down and yeah, it was a great tour too. It was a nice people and I had so I was going to be seeing friends in some cities. So it was really hard when we, and we didn't know our last show was the last show. I mean, we had an inkling, but literally it was just one show at a time. And, and just two weeks before I was, I was covering the Dowager Empress and I thought she's Joy Franz is so strong. She never missed a show. But she happened to eat a bad piece of fish, I guess. <laughs> it wasn't feeling good right before the inter- intermission. And But it was around this COVID, you know, inkling was happening. And so they they didn't want me to go into her dressing room, but they're like, you're on. I had five minutes to get ready out in the hallway, <laughs> you know, and I went on for her in the second act. So that had to have been strange for the audience to have, you know, this woman who's the right age for it. And then anyway, I, but it was really wonderful to go on and do the second act. And, and, but then two weeks later, 
we close down like just like that. They're like, pack yeah. your trunks and go home. And they kept thinking we were going to go back on on tour, but you know it became clear that that wasn't going to happen. And it's it's funny because the the two years preceding this, I kept thinking I got to make some room for writing. I was trying to write. I was doing some things and just wanted some time to do it. And so suddenly I realized, oh, I've got a pandemic here where I'm forced to be home. Sorry, everyone. I was hoping that I'd have some time off. (laughs) It's my fault. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, it was once I settled into getting into writing with other people. And that was wonderful, actually. Just, you know, I, I was meeting with people every day. I had a very full schedule. I actually had to, once the pandemic was over, I'm like, I've got to settle down. I'm doing too much, actually. Um, Like I said, I wrote like 100 songs, and now I'm trying to play catch up to produce them, the ones that are worth being produced. And, you know, it's pretty funny that I made, you know, actually almost did too much, you know, but, but it was great. I mean, it was wonderful. And then I've gotten to go to... I got to go to the UK and meet some of my co-writers in person and got to go to Spain and go to a songwriting retreat was, which was pure heaven, pure heaven. I mean, just really fantastic people. So yeah, I'm all in on that, but I'm still on this. I say on the side, but it's all, I'm a whole creative person. So it's like my agent still calls me for auditions and most of them are self tapes at this point. And like next week, I'll be going to New York and I'm going to see some shows, you know, because I have to still be up on what's happening on Broadway and hopefully something will come through. But I'm quite happy to just be creating no matter what I'm doing, you know, just enjoying it. (laughs) Well, Matt, I knew it was going to be a fascinating story. (laughs) Thank you. Lots of twists and turns there, for sure. So what what's uh, what's going to be next? I mean, I know you said you're going to New York and all that, but, like, are you doing another album? Or, I mean, what do you got planned for this year? Well, yeah, I'm going to continue. I've got a bunch of, like I said, a bunch of songs I need to work on. I've been working on some productions for one of my co-writers, who wants to put out the album of social justice tunes. And uh, and I've got a handful of tunes I want to do. And for the past five to seven years, I've been working on a Joan Baez tribute show. And so I'm, I'm getting that up on its feet, finally. Hmm. And I have a, a band, August Moons, and we're, we're planning some dates this, this spring. So he's up near Montreal, and I guess there's going to be an a, eclipse a full eclipse on April 8th. So we're going to have a big jam session and do some shows around that. Awesome. <laughs> and that'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So that's what we're aiming for there. And I'm working on some songs to some albums to put towards sync. I've got a song that's being considered for Heartland, which is amazing. And mm-hmm. one that's being considered for a Christmas movie that I don't even know what that is. Like you just have to release Release your children and let them go. <laughs> you know, write them and let them go. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's you know, it's just I I feel like I'm in a constant process. It never ends, you know. Yeah. And well, I mean, got to stay busy, right? Right, right, exactly. Well, 
I always say just it's it's not even just busyness. It's following the joy. It's just saying, oh, this looks fun. What does this do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not doing that again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> There's been plenty of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Kat, one so, last question. Yes, since, you know, February is the month of love, at least commercially. <laughs> what is your favorite Valentine song or love song? Mm. The one when, as you were saying that, it made me remember the song I sang for my great aunt and uncle's 50th anniversary. I'll be loving you always. <laughs> it's just sweet. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, I love songs. I love love songs. I also like quirky ones. I submitted a couple songs for this radio show and my song, Never Too Late, is going to be played. And my song, Lucky, which is a, a pretty silly but yeah it's i actually like silly love songs <laughs> i hate paul mccartney <laughs> yeah 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 right, right. oh yeah <laughs> very good very good <laughs> i'll take that compliment i'm just like paul mccartney just like, great yeah. that'll go in my promo material thank you very much <laughs> paul mccartney-esque <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm. Yes. Some call me the Paula McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> um, silly Paula. Oh. <laughs> well, it has been a delight to have you. I, I love your story and the enthusiasm and and really just the way life has, you know, just led you to create more and experience more and, and just to keep going and like the the oddest twist and turn. I just love yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's all very strange, but I just flow with it, roll with it and, and it's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast and uh, Sending out lots of love to your listeners. Lots of love. Sending it all to you. <laughs> well, thank you. You can come back anytime and let us know what you're up to. We'll be happy to talk. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much. All Have right. a wonderful day. Bye-bye. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iratepleas at outlook.com or you can write to me at backstorychessings at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.